Hello, everyone, and welcome back to In Real Time. It has been a hot minute since we uploaded the last episode. It has been a while, but we are excited to be back. We have a very exciting episode ahead of us. We have a lot to talk about. Uh, but first, how does it feel to be back, Jacob? How do you feel recording another episode right now? It's been a while. It's uh, it's very nice to have a breath of fresh air in my schedule to be able to actually do this. So that's why we're able to like bring this back. Um, it is nice. Ooh. I love talking movies, and I know you love talking movies, and we love talking yes, movies sir. to people. So it's enjoy. I'm very happy to be doing this again. Yeah, we kind of we kind of missed out on a lot of movie talk, especially over the summer seasons. Uh, for anyone wondering, yes, we both loved Oppenheimer and Barbie. Yes, uh, yes. trying to see trying to see what else we need to catch up on here. Uh, summer movie season kind of flew by. There were genuine surprises here and there, uh, some things that were not so great. But overall, great movie season, a lot of awards contenders. Uh, so we'll be able to discuss those more in depth when award season comes around, which is actually not that far away, believe it or not. It's only in a couple of months because all the Oscar bait movies are suddenly releasing in fall festivals. Uh, so it'll be around the corner before we know it. But for today's episode, we decided to do a little fun thing to be back uh, in the swing of things. We're going to talk about box office from the last week because there's a lot to discuss because a certain musician released a movie this weekend. A uh, little indie musician. I don't know if you've heard of her. Her name is Taylor Swift. Um, so we're going to talk about that and all these other movies at the box office. We're also going to talk about trailers that have dropped, our thoughts on them, whether we're looking forward to them or not. Uh, and also we're going to end off with the letterbox last four watched as always. So to get in the swing of things this episode, let's talk about box office first. I'm sure the elephant in the room everyone's wondering about is Taylor Swift, the Eras tour, the yes, concert sir. movie about uh, hers truly, Taylor Swift. Uh, it made $96 million in its opening weekend. Not a shocker, especially after I saw the AMC record being set on like the biggest pre-sale for tickets. Also yeah. checking my local AMC on the Fandango app and seeing like the check seat feature was all grayed out. Uh, did you expect that big or were you expecting bigger or smaller? I know some people were expecting a little bit bigger for some reason, but like I, I think that's a perfectly acceptable number. Um, yeah, I think honestly that's right about where it was at. Uh, as a movie theater employee, I'm going to out myself here. As a as a movie theater employee, my GM uh, was talking to me about how the kind of like the we get like country maps of like each big movie release to see if like what's hot or not. And mostly like the big red, like the hot states were the Midwest and Pennsylvania, which is obviously like on paper, duh. But like big states like New York, New York City, LA were very not like this movie was not popping in NY and LA. So like to have it just basic 93 million, like under hundred million, um, didn't really shock me that much, even though some people thought it could reach a hundred million. I didn't necessarily think so, but to all the people that listen to this possibly that work in a movie theater along with me, uh, Godspeed for getting through the first weekend. I know it's probably hell for a lot of you. Like it was for me at least. So good job and, uh, three more weekends to go. So, yeah. Yeah, so uh, I saw all the fallout on Twitter. It seemed everything that I scrolled through was just videos of uh, teenage girls dancing around their seats and screaming. Yeah. Mm -hmm. um, as someone who watches movies a lot, I understand that's a concert film. People might do that. However, I think this is an instance where it has gotten to the point where it's getting a little bit extreme. I went to see Stop Making Sense, as you did, Jacob, and IMAX when A24 released it a few months ago. And we both kind of noted that no one did that during Stop Making Sense. They danced in their nope. seat. They kind of mouthed the words. But, like, it was kind of a reverent still, like, oh, we're watching a movie. Exactly. We're not at a concert. I right. think there becomes an argument whether or not, like, concert films can have that kind of reaction. Uh, what do you think personally should be the reaction? Do you think people should be able to dance and, like, stand and, like, jump around and dance? Or do you think that it should be more like other concert films in the past? I mean, I feel like... I hate to say it like this, but like, I feel like this concert film is not really like other concert films that like we know and watch in a way like this movie, well, concert film, I guess, is literally just made for people to like sing along and mm -hmm. dance in a way. And I feel like Stop Making Sense, a lot of other music docs that I've watched, while yes, it is a concert, it is more shot like a film. Like it's like, yeah. you know, like editing choices, blocking, stuff like that. And with Taylor, this was just literally uh, her concert being recorded at SoFi. Like, it wasn't really a lot to it. Like, obviously, there were certain blocking stuff that they had to do with cameras. But, like, I feel like 
for this, obviously it was kind of understandable without reaction, but in general, um, I believe like it's movie, it's a movie theater. Like it's not a concert venue. You and I have talked about this off camera. Mm -hmm. Um, the etiquette for a movie theater, I feel like should be like still going. Um, this is kind of an outlier, but like for other stuff like this in the future, I hope people, uh, dial it back a little bit because I could tell from this past weekend that a lot of these people, uh, haven't been to a movie theater in a long time and do not know a lot of movie theater etiquette and, and, or just how to act which was kind of crazy, but you know, it is what it is. Um, I think overall we should just, the movie theater etiquette should be the staple of anything, regardless of it's, if it's a concert or if it's just a small basic movie, I'd like leaving it as is. I agree with that. And I'm not going to lie. Seeing those videos on Twitter made me laugh. There's yeah. one that I saw that's going viral of like a group of people in a circle swinging their arms around. And the caption was, it's a cruel midsummer. And I almost died laughing at that. I was like, oh my gosh, bro, that's so crazy. Um, but I, I guess if it gets people back to theater, I'm not going right. to argue with that. I mean, it's, it's proof, as you will see in a minute, the other films on this list that released in the past few weeks have not been doing as well as this film did. So it's a true testament to, I guess, Taylor Swift's artistry that she can actually attract the crowd back to the movie theater. I think it's this and a bunch of other films that have made this type of uh, like uh, opening, like Barbie and uh, other films before it, that really proved that the argument that movie theaters are dying is not necessarily the case. Uh, I know people like to say after COVID, attendance kind of dropped off, which in some respects it did in the first few years. But I think that now we're back in an era where a lot of people the excuse that most studios have when movies don't make a lot of money, like some of these in upcoming discussion is that mm-hmm. people uh, just don't want to go back out after COVID. They just want to stay right. and like stream stuff, but like audiences are getting smarter. They're not going to go see movies that look lazily made. They're not going to see movies that look stupid. They're going to see Correct. stuff that they're interested in. And I think yep. this is definitely one of those interesting things. Yep. Uh, so I'm very happy for this film and for people who liked it. Once again, I'm not a Taylor Swift fan. I'm not seeing this movie, but right. I understand that a lot of people do like it. So good on you for enjoying it and having a good time. And uh, yeah, hot Absolutely. tip. If you want to go see it without the crowd, probably go see it during the weekdays. Uh, I think weekends are going to be the heaviest hitter for that. Actually, unfortunately, this is only a weekend movie. It only is plays it Thursday to Sunday. Yeah, they don't. it doesn't play during the week. It's only That's for crazy. four weekends. So Thursday to Sunday, the next three weeks. Oh, I thought it was like, I thought it was like four weeks straight. That's crazy. No, yeah. So like during the week right now until Killers comes out this coming Thursday, The Exorcist is in IMAX and Dolby during the week, which we will talk about in a few minutes, but I just thought that's kind of funny, the contrast. Um, But yeah, go, go ahead. Yeah. So speaking of movies that might not have been uh well performing as taylor swift did uh we have the creator which released a few weeks ago made through 32 million dollars uh on a budget of 80 million dollars this is once again gareth edwards new film he made rogue one which a lot of people like even non-star wars fans think it's a great film i haven't seen that film but i know a lot of people love it um so I didn't see the creator yet. I, I really wanted to, but there was just something about, you know, scheduling. Whenever I go to the movies, I usually go during weekdays when like I'm in between stuff that I have going on. Uh, creator is like over two hours. So I was yeah. like, I can't really fit that in. So I'm trying to see it at some point. It'll probably come to streaming soon. If I had to guess, cause they're going to yank that thing out of theaters as fast as possible. True. Um, but uh, what do you think of this uh, performance at the box office in regards to, a lot of the argument about this film is like originality in Hollywood and like, Oh, original concepts are dying. What do you say to that? I've, you know, I I've seen a lot of people kind of not bash, but like film Twitter mostly has been talking about like, yes, you original films like need to be a thing. Like it needs to be, keep going to make like movies and movie theaters, like a possibility, but you don't have to go see every original movie considering what I've heard about this movie is that it's just fine. Like, yeah. like, like, I understand the concept of everybody's like, even if it's bad, go out and support it. Cause that'll show like, but like, that's just kind of, I don't get that narrative. Like, I don't get that narrative at all. Like, yeah. even if it's original, like even with Marvel or like star Wars, like if I hear like a star Wars, movie, like I haven't watched a star Wars project in like two and a half years. And I used to love star Wars, mm-hmm. but like, if I hear it's bad, I'm not going to give it my time a day, just like with Marvel and just like anything original. So I feel like people 
can't really wrap their head around that around original properties and it kind of makes me upset and not saying that i didn't like i also wanted a chance to see this as well i just haven't had time like a schedule but also when i've had time i guess i haven't been yearning to go see it considering it's just been a lot of people that i know and trust have said it's just fine and i yeah. don't get necessarily kind of want to sit through that as well so it just depends on the person but i wish the narrative of just go see every original film kind of had a different annotation and meaning to it because it's kind of it's kind of getting annoying a little bit yeah and speaking of a 30 million around 30 million budget on 85 million or 30 million gross on an 80 around 80 million budget um it actually performed close to what the exorcist is now performing at which is Exorcist is currently sitting at a $30 million budget or an 30 million gross on an 85 million budget, excuse me. And I read somewhere that Jason Blum bought the rights to this franchise for like 400 million, um, which is absolutely ridiculous. And it just really blows my mind that people like that have not, I mean, Jason Blum touches anything he wants to get money off of. That's why he milks conjuring movies. That's why he milks uh, uh, he's he's trying to do something with Five Nights at Freddy's. I think though, yep. that the fact that they're releasing that on Peacock on the same day kind of tells me that they don't have faith in that movie. Right. Um, but I I do think that this was kind of a mistake. I think you better you should let classics like this rest. Uh, you actually saw this though. I didn't see it. I'm not a horror <laughs> yeah. fan. So yep. what did you think of the movie? And do you think that that like gross is warranted? Um. I'm going to be very blunt when I talk about this, and I hope this doesn't deter the casual horror fans if you're listening, because like, if you're a casual horror fan, you'll probably, I wouldn't say love this, but you'll enjoy it. Uh, but for me, I thought this was god-awful. And 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 the reason, reason being is because it is one of those things where the first act is sets up such cool original ideas that if it wasn't connected to an IP or a franchise or like this legacy sequel shit that we're getting that it would be the movie itself would have been way better like the first act awesome sets up like all these different ideas about different religions how that can play about like it doesn't have to just be catholic exorcism like each religion has different forms of exorcism mm -hmm. and then as soon as ellen burston comes in and it becomes an exorcist movie it becomes awful like it hits every trope of like literally what the exorcist made popular in possession mm -hmm. movies it literally hits every single trope the pacing goes to minimal like the pacing is all over the place and the atmosphere is just not a thing like the original i don't know have you seen i forget have you seen the original or no i have not no so, so like the original is built on just creepy atmosphere and not having to use like jump scares and stuff and to like be able to like scare you and truly like get you to like jump and this mm -hmm. one is literally just once it hits the second act on to the exorcism is jump scares or disturbing imagery and that is not in my opinion how a good horror movie should be and it's a yeah. lot of people's criticisms over the past five to seven years with this new like not the elevated horror because there's some horror that's doing it right but like the basic jump scare horror stuff people do not want anymore and i'm just shocked because jason blum has produced some awesome horror movies for like the past like decade and yeah. he, with like the arguably what was once the scariest movie of all time, he falls into every single trope of what makes a horror movie not good, which blew my mind. And you just get bored because it just hits you over and over again with the same stuff. And I'm just like, I don't know what I'm doing here anymore. So why, yeah. this is why I think like the Rotten Tomatoes scores warranted, the letterbox being a two out of five, absolutely warranted. And the box office return is showing that people don't want to see the same schlock of horror just jump scare over and over like do something different and people will love it and that's why i think it's no one's coming to see this because that and word of mouth has just been horrendous so like it's a lot of different things but just not what you want for a 400 million dollar ip property <laughs> that you have now yeah so it just kind of blows my mind again like you said that he spent this much and he has and this is also a trilogy confirmed to be a trilogy so they yeah. have to make all three movies if they oh, want yeah. to even see any money back. Yeah. But with this first one just being as bad as it is, like, I don't even, like, I hate to say it, like, I'll probably go watch them anyway, just because, like, I get free movies. Let's be real. I get free movies. Yeah. So, like, it kind of works out. But, like, if I was a casual moviegoer, if 
like yourself, or if you don't have like a subscription service, there's no reason to watch any more of these. Like I would not even go near it. So that's, I just think that all of those factors put together puts it to why it's just not making any money at all. Yeah. And, and it was funny because when I went to see movies before the, the exorcist released, whenever they played the trailer, like the crowd reaction was just not into it. Like everyone, whenever the title card popped up, I've waited. And like whenever I go to a movie, it's usually a matinee. So there's a lot of elderly people in there because uh, mm-hmm. that's the demographic of earlier screenings. And yep. all of them were just talking to each other after like the trailer stopped. And they were like, I'm not seeing that. That's awful. And I'm like, yeah, because it's hard to sell a movie that scared a generation because The Exorcist has a connotation around it for like the older generation because no one like in the older generation really likes that movie because they remember being terrified of it. Correct. So it's kind of like that mindset when they see a new one and it kind of like the word of mouth kind of gets bad as a result that I think kind of hurt this because horror movies in the past few years have done fairly well. Like I remember, uh, I think it was smile like, uh, last year did fairly well at the box office and it was, it was a fun movie, but like the exorcist doesn't have the same vibe as other Blumhouse movies where it's like a PG 13 horror movie that like teenagers can watch. It's more heavy and it's kind of more, depressing and dark so i think that kind of contributed to it as well and speaking of dark and exciting uh, movies coming up this week is finally here with scorsese's newest film killers of the flower moon it premiered at Cannes like may back in may and i have been excited for it ever since probably last year i think i mentioned it in our first like second episode when we talked about like most Most anticipated anticipated movies yeah i was like so hyped about this and it's actually the prediction for a three-hour drama about the slaughter of the osage tribe is starting out at around 24 million dollars which is honestly not uh quite as bad as i was expecting i expected a lot lower to be honest um Mm. it's not bad for a scorsese movie especially a three-hour one at that because most audiences i think that is the thing that most audiences are kind of being persuaded off of is three-hour run times we saw that with Avatar, with Babylon, with um, yep. other movies like that. Bo is afraid. Um, Bo is afraid. There we go. Another right. one. Uh, so I think this is a solid start. I think it's definitely going to be helped by word of mouth. I think that a lot of people are going to come around to this movie eventually. Uh, are you excited for this? What are your thoughts on this? Oh, yeah. I mean, I love Scorsese like most people in the film circle. Um, I've been excited for this for a very long time. Um, I also feel like the 24 million is kind of like a good benchmark of like, that's not over expectations, but like they're giving it enough of like a hype boost because they think mm-hmm. like, I feel like the industry knows that like, yeah, people are going to go see this, but is it going to be the same people over and over or is it going to be word of mouth? And I think that 24 mil is kind of like a perfect set point. Yeah. Um, to be, to be fair though, I feel like also like during while working at the theater and doing a guest service and stuff like that we have um we have like a standee of it like right as you exit the building and every time i've uh i've been out there during that area there's at least like every other group of people are like oh my god like that's going to be awesome like i can't wait to watch that movie yeah. like talk about it if, as soon as they see that standee and it's a good good thing to see because like it's not just like our dads it's like people our age they're all that yeah. are like dude that's going to be awesome and i'm like yeah yes like we need this type of word like if the word of mouth of this is already high enough and it hasn't even come out yet so i'm thinking like yeah like this is going to be really good and i hope that it pushes it over that 24 mil but i can understand why they put it put that line there yeah i agree with that i think it's going to be a really exciting movie and i know a lot of people that aren't like i went to high school with a lot of people that like love scorsese movies like mm-hmm. goodfellas yep. was like hanging in their room like the poster of it yep. and i think that this is going to be a tougher sell to those casual scorsese fans because it's okay. not another gangster movie Correct. but my personal favorite scorsese film is silence which is not a gangster film either and that's a phenomenal film so i have a high expectation for this i also love westerns and i love things that take place in like western towns and this is like takes place in one of those and it just looks like a great great film and I cannot wait for it. Um, and speaking of anticipated films, we have a lot of trailers to discuss that have dropped in the last yes. few weeks. Uh, yes. Starting out, uh, I have a list here. I'm going to go down and we can talk about our thoughts on them. Yeah. Uh, first, I have put on here Argyle, which is the new film directed by Matthew Vaughn, who directed the Kingsman movies, which are a fun time. 
Mm-hmm. Uh, it stars Sam Rockwell, Bryce Dallas Howard, Henry Cavill, John Cena, and a whole other bunch of talented people. Yeah. Uh, it's about a book author who writes spy espionage books concerning an agent named Argyle who is pulled into a national espionage mission when she predicts something happening in her book that actually happens in real life to a government official. Um, so what are your thoughts on the trailer? I thought it was a very well-edited trailer. I think it had a lot of the Kingsman-type action that we expect yep. in the humor. Um, I know people are kind of tired out about John Cena and movies. Um, I kind of think that he kind of fits in this kind of campy spy book thing. Absolutely. Um, what is, what are your thoughts on this trailer? Um, I am, I like the Kingsman movies, but I feel like I'm not as high on them as the general consensus. Like, mm. I don't think they're bad at all. They're just kind of like, not my, like, which is kind of weird. Cause I love John Wick, but like that hyper violence, like just the way he does it. I don't know. Yeah. It's just fine to me. Like it's not over the top, but it's not awful. Um, with this one, I feel like this is like the perfect zone for Matthew Vaughn. Like, mm-hmm. like he's able to pull in those fantastical elements and literally like, from what my understanding, like the books come to life or is it like a different type of, I forget how the vibe is, but I know it's like the characters, you see the characters and then you also see real life. Like yeah, the, the yeah. Split, split, which I think w- will work really well for him because I feel like he tried to keep the Kingsman movies like really grounded in like historical aspects, and then would just have batshit crazy fight scenes, which kind of yeah. made no sense. But like for the movie, it's awesome. Uh, but for this, I feel like this is really his lane, and I think it's really cool um, that you know Bryce Dallas Howard leading role. That's not Jurassic Park. I that's yeah. kind of cool. Like I, when I saw her build like second to top, I was like, oh. So she's like, here we go. I just like yeah. the cast of this. Henry Cavill's in it also. Um, I've also kind of come around on John Cena, I won't lie. His peacemaker, his peacemaker performance was actually awesome to me. Yeah. I feel yeah. like they like they like if you find what he's good at and what he can do really well, then he can be a really good actor. Like that kind of like my opinion on Dave Bautista. Like of the people, like if you get him in the right space and the right material, it'll work. And I feel like like you said, this John Cena and this campy, fantastical type movie, I feel like will really work for a lot of audiences. And I hope people will go see this. The only thing that kind of struck me as a bad thing was that this comes out in February, which yeah. in the past couple of years, March to like January to March has actually been shockingly, surprisingly with good movies filled within it. Yeah. But like the general, the general theme of like January to beginning of April is kind of like you drop, you just drop the, not the, the, the schlock i call it the schlock months like yeah. you just don't know where to do with it and you just drop it there so that's really my only concern but besides that i'm i'm very excited to see watch this and see what the reaction is for it yeah and i think it's interesting that you mentioned like hyper violence because it did remind me sort of of bullet train when i was watching the trailer it reminded me of like a david leach type film yeah uh, just because of like brad pitt and sam rockwell literally look identical in the trailer like yeah. it, it really gave me that vibe uh, but I really, I really do think it's going to be a great, uh, fun film. Apple picked it up or like oh. distributing in it. So it like, it's an Apple, like the trailer actually is like universal than Apple original films, which has me intrigued. They're doing oh, okay. the same thing, like with killers of the flower moon that they're doing like a week. So it kind of intrigues me from that aspect. It makes me think that there's probably something about this movie. That's pretty special. If they kind of express Absolutely. interest in it. Um, but yeah, and then the next trailer, I guess, has the internet all up in a fury in the past few weeks, it seems like, because everyone loves the actor attached to it, but everyone's saying the trailer looks campy and dull and lifeless, even though the director of it directed one of film community's like favorite children's movies uh, a few years ago. The movie in question is Wonka, uh, yeah. directed by Paul King of Paddington and Paddington 2 fame. Uh, <laughs> as many people have mentioned, uh, whenever anybody's like, oh my gosh, this guy directed Paddington. Everyone's like, the thing that made Paddington good wasn't the direction or the like anything like that. It was because it was just a good movie Correct. Uh, with good performances and like a fun time. Wonka, yeah. on the other hand, looks interesting. So weird. It looks interesting. Yeah. Um, I don't know. It, where I'm at on this movie is, for me, Oddly, I don't know if you agree with this or not, but to me, Timothy Chalamet really has not missed on any of the projects he has chosen to be a part of. Um, And obviously, with such, this is like such an important character for multiple generations of people. Like my mom, the original is like one of her favorite movies ever. Like Mm -hmm. she grew up on that, she loves it. And I sent her this, and she watched a trailer. Like now, obviously, 
casual movie goers, my mom, but she was like, oh, I'm absolutely going to watch that. So I'm wondering yeah. if parents are like, yep, I'm in. I don't care. Like, I don't like they don't care if it's good or bad and they're in. Um, but to me, like, I'm so in the middle on this because like for some for some ungodly reason, I have a gut feeling that it's either going to be really, really bad or it's going to shock a lot of people and be really good. Like, yeah. there's not yeah. going to be, like, a middle ground. And from what I've seen, like, and I'll tell you this for a grain of salt, because, like, the the, like, the leakers and the anonymous, like, test screen people that I follow on Twitter, like, usually most of the time get it right, but not always, have said that this has been, the people have seen it say it's actually pretty good. Now, again, take that with a grain of salt, because that's a small amount of people. But to the people that have test screened it, apparently it's better than what the public i guess is perceiving it it's, it's going to be so that gives me a little mm -hmm. bit of hope it does yeah i also think that christmas day release or around yeah. christmas day release probably helps the film because everyone's like oh what are we going to watch with the family oh wonka Absolutely. uh and i don't think there's much competition with this film in regards to like christmas day type movies except no. color purple but uh that's kind of a different kind of audience entirely which we'll get to that trailer in a minute uh, but yeah, I think that this is one of those films that works on paper, but I don't know in practice because watching the trailer, it looks like a like jumbled mess. I can't tell what the tone is. I can't tell whether or not, like, I think Timothy Chalamet is overacting in some scenes. Like the whole thing that went viral on Twitter, quiet up and listen yeah. down. Wait, no, scratch that. Like I, that just made me like, what are you doing? Yeah. Um, and alarm bells kind of rang off because I really like Timothy Chalamet and I don't yeah. want him to be in a bad movie. And right. this is his first, I will probably cry. Um, but yeah, I mean, I'll hold out hope. I don't, I don't know if I'm excited for it or not. Uh, Hugh Grant as an Oompa Loompa has me scared. Um, I will say that. But other than that, I think everyone else in the cast is fine. I think they're going to be fun to watch and yeah. Um, so the next trailer on the list is one that is distributed by A24, and it's a very anticipated film for fans of The Bear because it stars Jeremy Allen White from The Bear and Zac Efron. It is The Iron Claw. Uh, so what are your thoughts on this first? I need to ask you because you're a fan of The Bear. So, As a, I just recently finished rewatching The Bear, like for the first time since seeing it like in live, like rewatching it for the first time and jeremy allen white is honestly like one of in my opinion one of the best actors working like i never watched shameless i never watched shameless so i can't really talk about like his early stuff and i've heard a lot of people love him in shameless which is great and that's awesome um and i think just the way he acts in the bear and the, the familial stability and what the story is surrounding him in the bear it's going to be a lot like what the family is like in the Iron Claw. Um, that gave me the vibe a lot because I feel like every single thing I see Jeremy Allen White and his family is unstable at some point or shit's going on. Um, Zach Efron, good for him, bro. He looks absolutely yoked. I won't lie. He actually looks like he's giving this um, like a lot of reverence and very like he's taking it very seriously, which I enjoy. Um, yeah. Over, overall. Like, again, like, A24 hasn't really ever missed for me, except for in a couple of movies. Um, I'm genuinely very excited for this, and, I don't, and I'm not a wrestling person, and the wrestling people I've talked to are like, you are not ready for this, this story. Like, apparently, <laughs> like, it's, like, one of the things of, like, the highest highs to the lowest lows. And, like, they're like, yeah. I'm not going to tell you what happens, because, like, when you watch it, it's going to be great. So I'm thinking with the, with the cast that they have assembled, you know, A24's backing it, um, there's no reason that this shouldn't be great to like really really good so i'm very excited and it also that's another christmas day ish time release as well so that's yeah, another yeah. good thing that they're putting it out during that season because hopefully um i guess certain families depending on if they're older will probably go watch this um during the christmas season so i'm excited to see uh, what it has in store yeah same here i've heard that the story is very sad um has me intrigued and i apparently not ready according to twitter yeah. um we'll see though when christmas comes around whether i am or not uh so yeah now we're going to shift from kind of a awards kind of baity movie to a animated movie because this list would be remiss without talking about one of the upcoming animated films releasing around the holidays 
Uh, this one in particular has kind of the internet like Wonka having discussion about the merits of artistic value in animated films uh, because the company behind it is a very big name in the animation industry. And this offering seems very different in a kind of different way in comparison to some of their other work. Uh, it is Disney's Wish releasing in November on, uh, I think, a day before Thanksgiving, so, actually, yeah. uh, which is the day last year that Strange World released and that film bombed at the box office. So um, that has me kind of wondering about this film because first off, my thoughts on the trailer are uh, the animation style looks like garbage. Uh, they're trying to replicate the Spider-Verse thing uh, that few studios can do perfectly. Uh, DreamWorks, uh, exemplified that they could do it with Puss in Boots last year, of course. Uh, I do not think that this film looks anything like the style that they're trying to go for. It looks like a rough draft of the film. Um, I don't like Disney films. Uh, I am a D23 member, but I don't like... I, I'm not going to sit here and say everything they've made is good. Uh, Strange World was one of the worst movies I've ever seen. Um, yeah. So I'm, not, I'm, I'm just sitting here... I do think it's interesting, though, because a lot of the argument in the past is that Disney's twist villains in their films are kind of stupid. Right off the bat in this film, you know that Chris Pine's character is the villain, just like old Disney movies. You kind of knew who the villain was going in, uh, which has me intrigued. Ariana DeBose is attached. I think she's a great actress, but then, like, you don't do much acting in Disney movies. Right. So, like, uh, what are your thoughts on this? What do you think about it? I, you know, I'm in the same boat with you the disney stuff as i feel like a lot of people are um i just feel like post covid they have just no idea what they're doing it's really it really shocks me because like before like yeah before covid like they would have like one or two every couple of years i'd be like oh okay push that to the side but genuinely a great track record but like since covid the only project that i've really loved especially out of the animation and even just encompassing like all of it like was soul and like obviously i didn't love soul yeah. that much but like that felt mm -hmm. like a genuine pixar movie that i would have watched in theaters if it wasn't COVID. um like strange world Lightyear, luca like turning red like i could keep naming and naming yeah. projects that just did not resonate with audiences and were just genuinely not good movies and like not up to disney's par like i feel like they're on a different level of echelon like when it comes to like critiquing movies obviously um and it just and this is just another representation to me of them just kind of putting stuff out to put it out and i genuinely think unless we're proved wrong and this is like incredible and we have no idea um that it's just going to be another strange world type light year situation where yeah that's like the families will not i don't feel like families will bring the kids out to watch this just like they they didn't no. do it with lightyear and they didn't they didn't do it with lightyear and they didn't do it with strange world and i have no reason for this to see this being like oh we gotta go take the kids to see disney's wish like and the plot yeah. just seems so dumb no offense the plot actually seems like i could have wrote like obviously there's more to it but like we could have wrote this like we <laughs> came up with this plot ourselves like it's that simple of a plot too with the most basic villain that i just I don't know. Yeah. I'll, I'll end my rant on the Disney thing, but I just don't think this is going to go anywhere that they hope it does. Also, not only just a kind of cringy villain, we have the horrible comedic relief in Alan Tudyk's goat character. Yeah. Yikes. They're bringing back um, the animal relief, like from the 90s. Yeah, they are. <laughs> it's so... It's so uninformed like they don't know what they're doing and it's obvious they had one stroke of luck a few years ago with encanto and everyone kind of loved that movie yeah. even though might some people didn't including myself but um i i they're just trying to like do the same thing over and over again they're not doing anything different and um it's gonna kill them i think right. and they're gonna probably get poor box office performance as a result um but speaking of movies that uh are made for a certain kind of theater demographic we had wish made for kids movies now we're moving on to one of the most anticipated in the awards circuit which is the new trailer for color purple just dropped which is a new take on steven spielberg's original film um this one looks very very good i've seen the trailer non-stop i think in front of like every single movie i've seen in the past few months yep. uh so what are your thoughts on the trailer i think it looks like a very well done drama i think it looks heartfelt i think it looks emotional and has great music so yeah yeah um 
I like. I feel like um, this entire they just picked just a great group of people to do this story justice. Like Fantasia Barino, I believe is the woman that did it on Broadway, and they just brought her over mm-hmm. and just put her in, which I think is a great choice. Um, I've always liked Taraji P Henson, like when she takes serious roles, like when she's actually like, you know, like not just there for comedic effect. Um, I think she's yeah. a really good actress. Like when they when she takes something serious, and then obviously Coleman Domingo. It's just awesome. I love him also. Yeah. Um, so I, I just feel like this is one of those things where it looks really good, but I wouldn't be surprised if some people feel like it's not done like to justice. Because that was a lot of criticisms yeah. with the first one. Um, just which kind of blows my mind. Like they're like with Steven Spielberg like, helming it. He was like, he's not the person to do this story. Blah, 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 blah. And then, depending on how you feel, I like the original Color Purple. I think it's really good. Mm-hmm. Um, but this is one of those, just with musicals in the past 10 to 15 years, it also wouldn't surprise me if this ends up also just not being good either. Like, it gives me no indication yeah. of me that it should be bad. But just, it's literally musicals are so hit or miss nowadays. It's either they're really good or people watch it once and they're like, damn. And just don't ever revisit it. So I'm really hoping it's not that, but I do just got to throw that out there that just a part of me feels like there is a world where this doesn't doesn't hit with audiences like it should, to me at least. Yeah, and I think it's interesting when you mention musicals uh, not performing well or being as good as they used to be because another trailer on this list that we will talk about now, released before Eras Tour, is based on a musical and confused the hell out of me when I first saw the trailer, which is Mean Girls. Um, what the heck? <laughs> yeah what what the heck is going on Um, what is going on i look i i don't know what the deal is with this movie um i knew it was originally from what i've read into it it was originally supposed to be a paramount plus release and then and then it got test screened and people loved it so that's why they pushed it to theaters which i don't know what the deal is because i know the broadway show that they're just pasting this from like they're just Christina Fey wrote the Broadway one as well. Um, It's actually a hit to Broadway people. Like, they really like it. Um, And Tina Fey's, obviously, Tina Fey's back. Um, Oh, I'm blanking on the guy. But the guy that plays the principal in the original movie. Tim Tim Meadows. Meadows, There he is. Yeah. Tim Meadows is in it. And just, like, I don't think it's going to be, like, obviously, like, the, the first one is, like, a cultural moment. Like, I feel like it's just, like, usually a lot of people like it. Like, or if they dislike it, it's not like they think it's awful. Um, so I wouldn't be surprised if this does numbers just because kind of like the Taylor Swift effect of just like, yeah. everybody loves that Mean Girls movie. Let's just go watch it again, but with songs. So like, yeah. I don't know what if it's going to be good or not. Um, will I watch it? Yeah, probably. Like, I won't lie. I probably will sit down and watch it. I really enjoy it. I love the original. Um I think it just depends on the kind of person you are, but this uh, this also leans more towards the, you know, makes twenty million, twenty to thirty million, if that first weekend, and then no one goes back and just waits till it's on streaming. Like that's what the vibe gives. This that's the kind of vibe this gives me. So I'm really like like you said, just really really interested as to what yeah. the demographic and what uh, the amount of people's excitement level is for this. So. Yeah, it's kind of interesting they debuted the trailer before Taylor Swift because that's a very similar demographic. Mm -hmm. And a lot of people, I think they're trying to do another Barbie thing where they try to attract the same audience. And I don't know if it's going to work or not, but um, we'll see, I guess. Uh, But that's going to wrap it up for movie trailers. Now I want to focus on a few uh, TV trailers of new TV shows that are dropping soon. Um, So the first trailer for TV that I was going to discuss today is one that I actually knew about before it was announced i got to preview and test screen the first two episodes i was under nda first uh when i first watched them but i'm pretty sure that's up now uh but i did watch it without vfx or anything so uh it was an interesting experience and this is a very vfx heavy show it is apple tv plus's new show monarch legacy of monsters which is the godzilla show kind of connected to the whole uh how do you call it kong verse or whatever it is yeah monster verse that's it that's yeah. it um, I don't, 
so when i watched it i wasn't i did not i had seen godzilla versus kong and king of the monsters um but like for me those movies are so lore heavy but i don't care about the lore i just want to see big monster fight um so i don't pay attention to any of that lore but this show my main concern is that it is so insistent that you know every single piece of lore from the movies all these characters show up and all these plot points happen i'm just like bro no one's gonna notice this no one's gonna know what that's referring to so that's my main concern i can't speak on whether or not it's a good show because i don't it was a long time ago but um what are your expectations or thoughts about this are you excited um yeah, honestly, I I really am. Um, that 2014 Godzilla, we talked about Gareth Edwards already once. Uh, Gareth Edwards, mm-hmm. that was the movie he did before Rogue One, and that's what got him the Rogue One job, actually, was that movie, funnily enough. Um, and I really, really enjoy that original one. Uh, I just think his the way that he um, he does scale, like, God's, like, you feel like Godzilla's just this behemoth of a being like he's supposed to be but like the way you he makes you feel mm-hmm. by shooting it it's awesome um yeah and in that og the, the the 2014 godzilla you he's only in it for like 15 to 20 minutes but you feel like he's there the entire time just how it's shot and paced which i think is great um now on the yeah. other hand for kong and king of monsters and like godzilla versus kong i'm not as high on those movies kind of like you said i just want to see monsters fight um and that's really it. Um, but this kind of gives me a little bit of hope because, one, we talked about how Apple TV has lately just kind of known what they're getting and have picked really good things. Um, so, one, with Apple having it, that's a plus for me. Two, it actually looks like they put movie – like, this is, like, movie budget for a TV show. Like, if you've seen this trailer, yeah. like, Godzilla looks exactly like how Godzilla looks in the movies. Like, they're not taming it at all, which I think is great, because that was my main concern was when this was announced on TV shows, is that it's, if it's going to look shitty or not. Because, obviously, TV doesn't have the same budget, but with streaming and stuff now, again, we're in a new landscape. Yeah. Um, so, I'm really hoping that it, you know, is really, like, really good, grounded, has good writing, because, like I said, Apple's been picking picking and choosing instead of just picking everything up like they did when they started doing distribution um and what they have picked in the past couple of years to distribute has usually been good or great um so for me uh, after seeing the trailer and just looking at kind of like the time and dedication they put into it i'm really excited to see uh what it does and i hopefully hopefully to me it's really good yeah and then speaking of movies that have kind of translated into tv this new netflix property that we're going to talk about next had a small little trailer that released the entire cast from the original film is attached. Very excited about the style they're going for because it's an anime of Scott Pilgrim versus the world. It still has Edgar Wright attached, I believe, has all the cast attached returning, which is very impressive because I know they've talked a lot in the past. They have like an email chain from that movie that they still like connect on and stuff. I'm super down for this. I think Scott Pilgrim really lends itself to that style. Uh, but what do you think? What is kind of your take on this new take on um- it? I'm probably going to shock a lot of people when I say this. I've never seen the original Scott Pilgrim. Um, yeah, that, the, yeah, Mitchell's Bro. list was mine. Um, yeah. Also, not that, to me, not that Edgar Wright's a bad filmmaker or, like, he's not, like, good. He's just never, re- like, his movies have really just never, like, I want to go watch that. Like, Baby Driver, I've seen once, mm-hmm. and I don't remember it at all. Um, like yeah. in his other movies, not that they're bad, just they were never kind of like my cup of tea. Like I just didn't really like, not that I didn't care, but like I never went out of my way to watch them. Um, now on the other hand, as Mitchell knows, um, I'm a big anime guy. I love anime. Um, I think it's a really good medium for certain stories to be told. Um, and when this got announced and the entire, like, like Mitchell stated, the uh, entire cast was coming back, I was like, okay, so they got something really good on their hands here. Obviously they all think this is worth worthy enough to come back and do this for so i definitely will probably be definitely absolutely be watching scott pilgrim within the near future before this comes out because i am very intrigued and really do want to watch watch this i really want to give it a shot because it really it really um it spikes my interest a lot yeah i agree and i think that when you're watching the original movie you're going to notice how that style will definitely work because it does have the movie itself has an anime type style to it that really i think will translate well to the series 
Um, and the fact that the original cast attached really is a testament to how much fun they probably had shooting that movie because yeah. you can tell and like they did like a reunion cast read and like everyone showed up it's like really really cool uh, but transitioning to another animated trailer the last tv trailer we'll discuss today it is a hit amazon prime tv show still haven't seen season one personally i saw all like the clips and stuff like blowing up on the internet i got it spoiled no. i don't care um yeah oh, i got it man. spoiled because like the clip youtube like channels literally put like the invincible the clip, clip and then like like yeah, it's the the spoiler yeah. i'm like bro yeah but we're gonna talk about season two trailer because a lot of people are very hyped about this i have no personal feelings because I, I don't i haven't seen I'm it but i'm one of those people um the first season which this is going to be crazy to say because i'm a junior in college and about to graduate came out my senior year of high school the first Jeez. season came out um and covid obviously there's a factor with that and delaying that um and the animation style for this is is takes a lot a long 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 time um there's a lot of different mm -hmm. characters the comics are very very detailed and meticulous with what with what this is based on um but i don't i haven't watched the boys um and i know that's another amazon prime like superhero show that's like they kind of took it to the rated r level you know bloody real world like what is superhero yeah. show like if superheroes in real life were a thing that's how life would be and invincible basically from my understanding of the boys is like the animated version of that but is like with the people attached made it all the more incredible uh steven young is the main voice of invincible it was jk simmons um god i'm blanking now because i haven't watch that i haven't rewatched in a while but like the the voice cast is crazy um and mm -hmm. the story really 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 works um because i just feel like it, it's not focusing on like the teenage tropes of like you know girlfriends parties stuff like that um it's more just about kind of like finding like finding himself and especially at the end of the first season um no offense because you gotten spoiled i'll say spoiler alert here you can skip like 25 seconds if you don't want to hear it um with him having literally to kill his father um, is a really, really, really interesting, like, cliffhanger. Like, it literally, he just kills him, goes home, and the season ends. And that's where most Invincible fans, if they haven't read the comics, have been left, which, honestly, incredible on their part. Um, so I'm really intrigued to see how that story progresses, especially his psyche, um, how he views, like, the world, like, his world, and then the alien world where he came from. Um, and just... The animation again is one of those few kind of like spider verse that's just awesome and really can't be replicated like amazon really found their niche with that um so again really 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 hyped uh the first season was just great so uh, and i'm thinking there's no reason it shouldn't pick right back where it left off uh, when it comes out in november yeah and speaking of comics robert kirkman going for two for yes, two sir. with the series with that and the walking dead both being turned to hit tv shows so good on him um but yeah i'll have to i don't know i i don't want to watch the first season if i know how it's gonna it's end eight episodes. But, um, and it's short if yeah you have a shot, i'm just saying you don't yeah. have to because you know how it ends so it's kind of anticlimactic but the end of the first episode well like the not... first spoiler yeah, the first spoiler I got was the end of the first episode. I'm like, well, what the damn. Hell? That's and I'm like, I'm like, yeah, and that was supposed to be like the biggest the shock biggest ever. Shock. But like, it's, I guess like the big thing to raise is that in our current culture with YouTube reactors like putting stuff like that in their thumbnails, it really, really just annoys me to no end. But, um, yeah, I I have heard great things about this series, and a lot of people love it, and so uh, it's a very anticipated watch for most people. But uh, yeah, it should be a hit. Uh, and that is going to do it for our trailer discussions. Now, to finish off the episode, we are going to get into our Letterbox Last Four Watched, which is a segment where we talk about the last four films we have logged on Letterboxd, of course. Uh, so, Jacob, how about you take it away with your first pick for your Last Four Watched? up a diary real quick because there's some documentaries that i've watched that i'm not necessarily going to count um <laughs> so you know what i'll start off with my my first pick um i know mitchell's not a big horror guy um but mike flanagan recently just dropped his last project um on his netflix contract and that's called the the fall of the house of usher 
And if you like Mike Flanagan's other work, especially his Netflix stuff, and even Dr. Sleep, because I'm a really big fan of Dr. Sleep, um, this, it's, it's kind of like his magnum opus of, like, all of his Netflix um, mannerisms and, like, how he tells stories put into one big, like, one epic show. Um, it's a miniseries, basically kind of like Succession meets Successions if it has paranormal elements to it, which is really, really cool. Um, and it basically just follows these two twins, um, brother and sister, that are the head of a pharmaceutical company, and uh, all of their, ch all of uh, the main guy's children um, start dying randomly, and you don't know why um, in the beginning, but obviously as it progresses, you find out, and it's based on the works of Edgar Allan Poe. So if you are like kind of in that spooky season mentality and really like horror movies, I would give this a shot. Um, it's a quick eight episodes. I finished it in about three days um, from when I started watching it. And it's just it's just one of those shows that's like the heart, the direction, the editing. It's just all really, really awesome. So uh, that would, that's my big recommendation, especially for the month that we're in, um, to just give his last project a shot if you haven't seen any of the other ones because you don't really need to. But this would be the one I would recommend the most. Yeah, uh, I know Mike Flanagan did uh, Doctor Sleep, uh, which is a very big hit in the horror community, and also his like Netflix series have been very big hits. I personally didn't know. I knew what Fall of the House of Usher was because I'd seen it online, but I didn't know it was like a thing that he did. So that's very intriguing, and I'll definitely have to check that out. Um, for my first pick, I'm going to pick a Coen Brothers film that I watched for the first time recently, which is Inside Lewin Davis, starring Oscar Isaac. Uh, I gave this a 100 out of 100. I absolutely loved this film. Uh, it was so good, and it really just made me realize how important music is to Coen Brothers films. I kind of got a glimpse of that when I watched A Brother Where Art Thou, because music is a very big part, specifically folk music is a big part of their films for some reason. But yeah, it really just, they're such good storytellers. And I know a lot of people hate on this film because they're like, oh, there's no plot except something with like a cat running through the entire thing. But like there's so much to this film that I don't think it needs like a definite plot. It's a nice slice of life about uh, an honest, open discussion about depression and career uncertainty. And it's something that I think a lot of people can relate to. Justin Timberlake is a jump scare in this film. I <laughs> uh, wasn't expecting him. Uh, but yeah, it's his best performance since Trolls. So I'm not going to I'm not going to cap on him too hard. But um yeah, he did a great work here. Uh, and Oscar Isaac, I think this is like one of his first roles, honestly. Uh, but it was it was very good. He, he's, he's such a good actor, and I, I like him a lot. So it was a great watch. Once again, 100 out of 100. Uh, one of my personal favorites now. So it's a very good movie. Yeah, uh, and Davis also is, is one of my favorite films of, as well. Um, I always I always find myself like rewatching that movie, like like putting it on the background if I'm doing something because I just enjoy it that much. And it might be shocking because like it is a really depressing movie, but like there's a lot of deep, like Mitchell said, a lot of deeper stuff behind that of kind of like how life, like how you should approach life and stuff. Um, so that again, that's a great pick because I love that movie also. Um, before I put my next pick, I forgot to say. Ah! <laughs> You're good. I'll wait. You're good. There we go. We've had them now. All right. I'll start from the before. So, um, before I picked my yeah. next project, I also I forgot to do the score. I gave The Fall of the House of Usher as a series a 92 out of 100. Um, it just kind of goes, again, goes to show how much I loved it and thought it was really good. Um, my next movie kind of following suit with the theme of fall and like October and horror. I watched uh, Kayoshi Kurosawa's Cure from 1997. Um, if you guys have never heard of this movie or know nothing about it, um, I would look up the basic plot synopsis and then watch it because this is one of the best movies I have probably ever seen. Um, it came out in 1997. It's from Japan um, and it follows a detective in Tokyo trying to figure out um, a wave of gruesome murders is happening over the city and each of them have like an X on their neck. That's kind of like a connection uh, to, to each of them. Um, and I don't want to spoil it because the twist and the reason reasoning for that and the diving in of like the psyche and psychological stuff is just incredible to watch. Um, and I'm surprised I haven't watched this sooner because so many people I know, especially my boss, 
uh, at the at the theater absolutely adores this movie um and i gave it a 93 out of 100 um it's just one of those movies that right right from the first five minutes you're engrossed like you're just locked in for the entirety of the runtime and as you kind of peel back the mystery of what's going on it kind of blows your mind um my best way to compare it for people that kind of i guess want to give a vibe um it's kind of like lost highway by david lynch but not as um i would say not as like in your face and like that that lost highway is kind of a lot in some instances but the the story of like and the themes are a lot like lost highway uh for sure so if um if you're a fan of david lynch stuff or or just have heard of this movie never gave it a shot i would absolutely um at some point during this kind of like fall holidays season give it a watch because it's it's really 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 good yeah I'll, another friend of mine who's really into film just watched that actually and i saw it on his letterbox and then you reviewed it i'm like oh what the <laughs> heck um but yeah i was i definitely need to check that out i've heard so many good things about it um so i'm really excited for that uh for my next pick i actually had to go through my list and see what i watched at the chicago international film festival over the last few days because i did watch a lot my first film of the festival was one that literally has the scariest letterbox page of all time. Not even any cover art or anything. 85 reviews. <laughs> just like it's it's the most like the That's most depth. blank thing ever. And then it's called The Hypnosis or Hypnosin in Swedish. Uh, it is directed by Ernst de Geer. And it stars uh, Herbert Nordrum from The Worst Person in the World and Asta August. Um, I think that's how you pronounce her name. Yeah. Uh, I love Worst Person in the World. It's one of my favorite films of all time. So I saw Herbert Nordrum was in it, and I'm like, I got to book that. Uh, didn't sell out, which is rare for Chicago screenings. And I was like, I wonder why. And then I'm like, oh, wait, never mind. It's, it's because it's a Swedish film in like the early morning hours. A quick, breezy runtime of 98 minutes. It's about a couple that goes to a startup competition to promote their business. And the lady uh, has so much anxiety that she goes under a hypnosis therapy and things go hilariously wrong. After that therapy, she's like a changed person entirely. Very, very funny in a way that is very uh, European. It's not American humor. It's very European. Uh, if you're not, if you don't like that type of humor, you're not going to probably laugh at this. Um, but I liked it. It was very funny, a very easy watch. Uh, that ending is probably going to sit wrong with a lot of people because uh, it has some very dangerous connotations to our current society today, and it was very concerning. Uh, but overall, I don't think that was the filmmaker's intent at all. I think it was just kind of like, oh, we're playing this off for laughs, but could definitely rub people the wrong way. I gave it a, a 75 out of 100, perfectly serviceable, nothing special, uh, but but fun. So. I do. I did want to check that out because um, also I am I am a sinner, I guess, of a cinephile because I have not seen the worst person in the world yet, and I need to. I know. I know a lot of people are like, "What the hell?" Um, trust me, I'm going to get to it. I I'm, I'm going to say by the end of the year. Uh, I know that's a long time, but I do want to try and get to it sooner than that. But I'm giving myself to the end of the year to watch it, and if not, uh, I'm going to. That's that's a problem. Um, so yeah, I'm. Whenever this, hopefully, I'm assuming. Is this picked up by a distributor yet, or is it kind of a streaming? We <laughs> it don't is know. not. We don't know. Okay. Well, if it does come out and I'm able to see it, um, I definitely would give it a watch because I kind of, like you said, European humor is very funny to me, like the type of stuff that you were telling me about. So, again, I'm intrigued by that a lot. Um, my third movie that I have chosen, um, this might, depending on the person, might sound a little weird, but this is also uh, one of my favorite 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 movies of all time i try to watch it every fall since i watched it for the first time and that was when harry met sally um i this is to me like besides like the before trilogy is like one of the bet like perfect like a perfect rom-com it really is like just and so many late early early to late 90s films kind of just co try to copy and paste and do what it did and n none of them to me at least ever fully got like to that level um i just think rob reiner especially in this um it's directed by rob reiner uh, like his elements and the way his style works perfectly for this type of movie um i feel like he's really able to like get you to care about characters very quickly in a short amount of time and wanting the best for both of them um and 
immediately within this when this starts. Um, Meg Ryan and Billy Crystal's chemistry is literally off the charts. Like it's it's so good, and the way they play off each other um, is awesome. And you have so many iconic scenes, like from the diner or the I like uh, the if you know when you love someone, you want to start your life right away types like quotes. Like this movie is quotable as hell. Um, it's literally perfect for fall. It's a really awesome love story, and I just it's it's I love it a lot. I uh, it's a ninety out of a hundred for me. Um, and just it's just one of those movies that's just a classic that I really resonated with and hope if you haven't seen it, give it a try uh, because it's the perfect time to watch it right now. Yeah, that's actually on my fall watch list, but I, I need to get around to it. It's like apparently a classic. Yeah. Uh, so I, I'm really excited for that. Um, so the next film on my last four is another film from the Chicago International Film Festival. It is A24's Dream Scenario starring Nicolas Cage directed by uh christoph borgili uh uh it was it was so funny this this film is one of the best comedies of the past year easily uh it's one of nick cage's best performances i don't know if you saw the interview where he said that he has like a list of like five or six scripts that he said are like the best he's ever read and this is one of them like this is one of his favorite scripts he's ever read and it's easy to see why because it is so good um, and it's so timely too, because I'm not going to spoil anything or give anything away because a lot of surprises here are so great, but the way it explores fame is so accurate. And so it just makes you look at our current culture and people today. And you're like, oh my gosh, it's like call, call back to them. Direction's capable, very funny, very, everyone's kind of in, uh, to this. And I gave it a 95 out of 100 and laughing at this, with a packed theater, was absolutely hilarious and fun and yeah so that's yeah that's uh, one of my most anticipated for the rest of the year especially when that first trailer came out about a month ago um you know it, the premise is awesome and then it also used the cranberries as its trailer song which i freaking yeah. love um also so th from what i've heard from you and just everybody else that's been able to see it um i'm really 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 excited for that so i hope i hope i am on the same level as you eventually when I see it. Um, and my last four, my last pick for the Letterbox four is um, is a movie that is in my top 15 of all time. Um, it, the first time I watched it completely, like, I don't even know the words. Like, it's just, it resonated with me. I fell in love with it, and I rewatched it recently because I just wanted to watch it again. Um, and that's Makoto Shinkai's Your Name. Um, if you haven't heard of it, um, it is an anime movie from Japan. Uh, it came out in 2016. Um, and I don't, I don't want to spoil too much away because the twists and, and the end of the movie is freaking blew my, blew my socks off to say the least. <laughs> um, um, it's basically, uh, it, it's the story is two high school, uh, teenagers, a boy and a girl, um, find themselves switching, like switching bodies every, like every other couple days. Um, and it just, again, because I don't want to give anything away, but the Freaky Friday aspect um, parted, like, also combined with, um, there's another aspect that combines this Freaky Friday sequence with that kind of just, it's, it's really, it's really well done. It's, it's very interesting. I didn't think that's where it was going to go. Um, and it's, it, it plays a lot on history and, and your perception of memory. And if you're connected to, like, people through time and stuff like that um so if you if you've never heard of it uh have never watched it or not even an anime fan um this was one of the movies i watched that kind of like gave me like yeah anime is just like animation in the same realm as not just the genre it's a medium um because of how much it touched me and the story and the characters and the writing is just top notch and my god the animation also is insanely well done as well um, as most movies lately out of uh, Japan, especially Shinkai's movies, because I've watched the rest of them after I saw this, um, are incredible. So if you kind of just want a, a really, really good, you know, it, it, this is a tearjerker, I won't lie. It's, it's sad. Um, it really hits you. But if you, it, I would recommend anyone that I know and are meet, uh, this is one of the movies I recommend them, them to watch if they haven't seen it. So if you, if you have time, absolutely give it a watch. Because I love it very, very much, and it's a hundred out of hundred for me. Um, perfect movie, man. 
yeah, I've heard a lot of people seem to love that movie. Uh, so yeah, that's that's very it's a very interesting movie. Um, inadvertently, we both picked an anime for our last kind of pick on our list. Um, at Chicago, my last film of the Chicago International Film Festival was Hayao Miyazaki's newest film and last film, hypothetically, maybe I don't know. Um, <laughs> Boy in the Heron, which was How Do You Live, but they renamed it. Uh, quite fittingly because how do you live is probably not going to be the best title for an american release uh but i think this kind of fits perfectly uh i gave this a 100 out of 100 i know people seem to be split on it i think it is personally miyazaki's best work besides princess mononoke now don't get me wrong i'm not a big miyazaki fan i'm one of the people that can't stand spirited away i don't like True. how his films most of his films at least yeah. don't have a set plot it's just random events happening and there's never been a more overt example of that than this film. It's very much like Spirited Away in that plot structure, like where it's just like weird things happening. But the way, I'm not going to spoil it, but the way it all ties together is so fitting and it just comes together in the end, which is what I was yearning for, for Spirited Away. I'm like, please let this make sense, but it never did. This one ties everything together and it feels like a complete film of his. And it really just makes a lot of sense. And this is truly his swan song cannot think of a better note to end out on it's funny it's emotional it's hilarious it's timely it's engaging the animation is absolutely mind-boggling in certain sequences um yeah i just i i know there's no trailers or anything people don't want it spoiled so i'm not going to say anything else i'm just going to say go see this whenever it's releasing it is a truly special film so i do gotta ask because this reminds me a lot of the like this isn't really a plot question but like it reminds me a lot of spirited away and the and the fact is is this too weird to be nominated at the awards or do you think it's a spirited away where it's just so good even though it's so weird that it just kind of pushes through or what are your thoughts on that because i really i'm intrigued to know what it's kind of if it has awards attention to it See, and that's what I think it's kind of interesting about the film is that there's a lot of things that come from like different films of his, like influences, like uh, Spirited Away is a major influence on this film. And also it reminded me of Totoro a lot. Okay. Um, and it also reminded me of Mononoke in the way like it actually does have kind of a plot, uh, which was very interesting. Um, so it's kind of a mashup of all those films. I wouldn't say it's too weird. Um, I do think a lot of the concepts are complex and... I think that a two hour runtime is probably not enough to fit it in. It does feel rushed in the end. It does feel like you need a little bit more room to breathe, but it does present the ideas in a way that's very easy to follow. I really do think it probably deserves the Oscar in all honesty. I think it's probably the best animated film of the year. I don't know if it's going to get the same reaction as Spirited Away only because like I don't know. People might not like the ending. I'm not going to say what it is, of course, but right. people might not like that. Okay. Uh, so I think Miyazaki, if it is truly his last film, give it to him, please. Okay. Uh, I know Spider-Verse releases here, but Academy, please, I'm begging you, Miyazaki. Has movie too, so they can kind of like return yeah. the king it and just give it all the awards for the last, yeah, last yeah. one. So if that's the case, again, I, I agree with you wholeheartedly if it's true that if it's his last one, yeah. he absolutely, absolutely deserves especially with everything he's done for animation and just film in general they they should give it to him but that's good to know i'm i'm intrigued to see like again like i like you said going in blind was the best and i'm going to keep it that way but i was just was wondering if it had yeah. that awards prospects or not yeah all right so that was our letterbox last four watched uh, and that's also the end of our episode thank you guys so much for joining us for this exciting discussion be sure to follow us on our podcast hosting platforms spotify amazon music and apple music as always if you are watching this on youtube and you're seeing our videos uh please be sure to subscribe like the video comment down below turn on push notifications uh, with that being said, though, this has been a very exciting episode. Thank you guys so much for joining us, and we will see you in the next episode. Bye, guys.